This is DZFE's Maestro Filipino, a focus for music with a connection to home. For this edition, I'm Daniel. The International Bamboo Organ Festival is back on site. In fact, it takes place over several sites in Las Piñas, Manila, and even Pampanga. The 48th IBOF's multiple venues is an expansion coming from the pandemic period and the start of a closer partnership with more churches. But the festival has always been one for tradition, and this year Dr. Eudenis Palaruan returns to conduct the Collegium Vocale Manila, formerly known as the Viencico Vocal Ensemble, which for 11 years has been a staple of the festival. Nonetheless, Viencicos still form an important portion of the festival and of the group's repertoire. One of these, the Magnificat of the little-known Cristobal de Belsayaga, presents unique challenges for this year's interpreters. Dr. Palaruan tells us more about that, as well as the peculiarities of training new singers for period performance, how Collegium Vocale Manila has developed over the years and more, on the first of our two features on the 48th International Bamboo Organ Festival. Before we get to our conversation, here is music from the 47th. Here are Dr. Beverly Shang-Kwan Cheng at the harpsichord, and Dr. Armando Salarza at the bamboo organ in Antonio Soler's Concerto No. 1 in G major for two keyboards.
It's always good to start at the beginning, and the beginning here is probably the music, namely Viencicos, which form at least a significant part of the Viencico vocal ensemble's repertoire. What are Viencicos? What are they like? One big thing is that Viencico is Spanish and particularly Latin American, okay? So to make it really short, it's the Spanish form of what we call the European Madrigal, okay? So particularly Latin America, they now have the Viencicos. So they brought in the Spaniards, especially those who went to Latin America, brought with them this kind of what they call vernacular music, which means that even in the liturgical practices, they're singing religious music in the Spanish language, in the Spanish text, which at that time, if you remember Vatican I, anything liturgical must be Latin. But once they entered the new world at that time, they were practicing actually liturgical music in the Spanish language, which is almost a no-no for Vatican I. So that's basically what Villancicos is. And uh, when it comes to the form, it's so much like Madrigal also, where there is a lot of casualness, there's a lot of uh, not-too-formalistic, a lot of breaking of the law that when the church says no instrument inside the church, no, they will play the instruments. They will, they will have their pan pipe, they will have their guitars, they're going to have their drums even with them while singing the villancicos. They talk about anything under the sun. There are villancicos that talks about the party coming in, which we will sing actually this coming uh, festival, the Unsarao de la Chacona. I mean, let's mm. dance the Chacona. Yeah? Mm. There are also villancicos that would talk about the nature, the seasons. And also, William Seekers, that we talk about the birth of Christ and the name, the coming of the Magi. So there are a lot of topics under the sun, okay? They can be very flexible when it comes to choosing poetry that may not necessarily be anointed by the church, okay? <laughs> And then, since it's Villancicos Latin America, and the uh, Philippines is almost Latinized, if you would call it that way, because of the Spaniards, they carried Villancicos here in the Philippines and particularly even practice in the Visayas. Nowadays, when you say Villancicos, it actually refers to Christmas songs. Yeah. How would you say Villancicos influenced the surrounding culture? That's wonderful. The people during the early days don't just sing inside the church, they sing outside. It's very true in the Philippines that if there are 365 days, there are probably 365 festivities as well. And with that, with what they call the procession. They bring with them, of course, also the music. Yes, Sometimes they dance the villancicos. There are dances the villancicos. And that is another intricate thing that we can talk about yeah, because we cannot catch sometimes the meter and the rhythm of the villancicos that we're singing. And, and you're saying, how complex it is. And then our theory is that probably these are movement. These are more of the body. That's why we cannot get them. We probably have to study the dances or the processional movements. So it's just like the word rondalia. It means rondo alia, umikut ka. Or go around and uh, with the instrument, banduria, they call them the entire group, they call it rondalia. Mm. So the word itself, rondalia, is actually means it's exterior to the church, something that is played outside the church. Because they go around the plaza playing the instruments, playing what's supposed to be a mandolino becomes a banduria or man mandulia, yes? So maybe the villancicos is the same thing. If we have what we call caroling, which is actually an external practice, they probably had the villancicos at that time.
Of course, you will be performing some Viantikos, but what other genres or forms of music will the former Viantiko Vocal Ensemble perform uh, at the IBOF? Oh, we also have Baroque music. In this particular concert, we have the works of Bach, particularly Emotet, and also a big oratorio, which is the St. Matthew's Passion, which will be performed the week after we perform the Viantiko selections. In the past, we also performed actually a lot of the Concertato, the works of Gabrieli, Monteverdi, Palestrina. So concertato, which means group to a group, will also be done in this festival where mm -hmm. we will have a group of singers in two separate stage places inside mm -hmm. the church. And of course, there are some particularly interesting Viencicos you will be performing such as Berseyaga's Magnificat. <laughs> ah, yes. This is interesting. We are performing for the first time the work of Berseyaga. Okay, first the composer. Eh? It's very interesting that very few information is written about Berseyaga. In fact, the one that you will find online will not even give you the English translation of his biography. Yes? Cristobal Berseyaga is from Basque. In Basque, they have a different language, which is not Castellano. According to the biography, in 1575, he went to Lima and he became a composer. You know, when a composer goes to a certain place, he has to reconstruct whatever he learned from the mainland country. And he's only known because of one song, and that is the Magnificat, that is a Canticle of Mary. And he composed it for a concertato group, two groups of choirs, two concerts, we call it. The text is still in Latin, and we just have to assume that it's probably done in a cappella, but although that time, things are very flexible. And the interesting thing about this only work by which Belsayaga is known is that it is incomplete. Yeah, that is the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. It is incomplete in the sense that some texts are not written. The traditional Magnificat, which is usually recited in a complete text, then all of a sudden, a particular text is not actually written in there. And I don't know whether I'm the only one who would question why is it not there? Or should other theologians, let's say, ask also why are some important phrases not there? The text goes, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In the Latin text, it goes, magnificat anima mea et exultavit spiritus meus in domine. That et exultavit spiritus meus in domine is not there. So which means if the text would say, my soul magnifies the Lord, you have the soul component and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, you have the spirit component. So with that, you already have the body, the soul and the spirit that would already assume that is it a trichotomy then? Mm -hmm. Are we divided into three aspects, into three substances? Now, this particular Magnifica doesn't have and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He just had, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, the question is whether the church at that time, in all its strictness and in all its dogma, would allow such text to disappear in a traditional Magnificat or in what you call the regular Magnificat. That is interesting. And during rehearsal, I even have to show the group. Probably this particular line is not this text. It's supposed to be the missing text. I'm trying to play with it. So how did you smooth this out? Of course, this is, uh, I imagine, just a slightly more exaggerated aspect in one's normal approach to period performance. You know, Daniel, I just have to assume that whatever is written there at the moment, I just have to tell the choir, okay, let's just sing it according to what is preserved at the moment. Mm -hmm. I can only 
tell them and uh, the point of view of a pedagogue like me who happened to teach here in a theological seminary here in Singapore. So for us, these things are quite a topic. Yeah, especially if you're studying in a church music school. I told them, since I don't have the actual facsimile, I don't have any right to actually reconstruct what I think is not there. I can only tell them something is missing, but nevertheless, we could still sing the music as a complete music, though particular aspect of the text might not be there. I think it's good to know that we have a piece of artwork in front of us, which we could still sing, right? The message of the song of the Magnificat can still be complete as it is. Fascinating, fascinating. Those are some of the works we will be looking forward to. Now, the Viencico Vocal Ensemble, it has one small change that we will be seeing this coming concert. It shall assume a new name. Can you tell us why the Viencico Vocal Ensemble is now going by the Collegium Vocale Manila? First of all, probably we have to clarify, why did we call ourselves Viencicos on the first place? When we were singing regularly in this Bamboo Organ Festival, these were just a group of students in the UP College of Music, and we didn't have any name. But since we were singing a lot of Villancicos, we said, okay, then let's call ourselves Villancicos. And mm. not only did we sing Villancicos, it was a way of life mm. where there's so much fun. We were friends, we were student and teacher pulling around music and having fun making the music. Then. The works became more and more serious. Now we have to perform also other works that are not necessarily villancicos. Then there was a question, maybe we should consider renaming ourselves instead of just villancicos because people might think that since it's villancicos, we will only sing villancicos. Then why don't we have a name that would actually encompass a wider scope of music, a wider genre of period music like Collegium? So the aspect of a group singing together is there, the aspect of a collegia or a collegium that exercises an intellectual music making mm-hmm. is also there. At the same time, the aspect of fun should also still be there and the aspect of joy should also be there. So we just say, okay, let's call ourselves collegium. And the former Viencico Vocal Ensemble, the, the Collegium Vocale Manila, recently celebrated its 10th anniversary. How would you say you have developed over those 10 years performing at this festival? Oh dear, I wouldn't even know that it's already 10 years if you didn't mention it, Daniel. It's actually fascinating to recall that 10 years ago, we were mostly students. Of course, I was the only non-student at that time. I was the teacher and the conductor. Mm. The early Villancico singers are now established singers outside the country. It's amazing that these people started in Villancico Ensemble now become performers of period music. It's actually a bonus, I would say, Daniel, that the group developed this far and still solid influencing other singers to carry the legacy of preserving good music and historical music that will actually edify the Mm. listeners. That's excellent. That's excellent. And uh, you also mentioned that you sort of expanded your repertoire quite a bit. That's true. Not only did we sing pre-Baroque and Baroque music, we also actually have commissioned composers, Mm. made compositions that will incorporate early songs of the Piñeras, I would say, the Spanish community, Mm. and then turn them into choralized music. And there were festivals where we performed paraliturgical works. We commissioned one composer priest to compose an entire liturgy with setups, with movements, with processions. And these are modern music already, in the sense that it's contemporary composed. 
I remember those years before I left Philippines. So not only do we sing old music, we also commission composers to write new music for the group. If there's another thing that we are doing in this group is that we compose works that would employ the bamboo organ. It's because of the bamboo organ that we exist. And with that, we have to always employ the instrument. There's a particular work that's supposed to be for what they call the Latin American type of trumpets and trombones, which we don't have. But since we have the trumpet stops of the bamboo organ, we will just use that as a replacement. And it will still be very effective. Do you think there has been a change in the way you approach music from what you did then to now? I would say yes. First of all, when I was holding the Villain Seco Vocal Ensemble before, I had a very close relationship with them because I see them all the time in the College of Music and we have all the time to make music together and travel together to the Spinas and make fun music. This time, we have to somehow approach them like professionals. We cannot have an everyday rehearsal. That's one thing. We have to also be very careful because we're just slowly opening up from the pandemic. We are more professional in handing our rehearsals. We cannot be very fluid or be very casual about it. We make use, we maximize that time. Everything is calculated this time. This very well leads into our third point, which is preparing for this year's concert. Now, why is that significant? It's because you say that the group has accrued, as it were, over the years, experience and, and expertise. So singing early music, period performance is second nature, perhaps even first nature, to the veterans of the group. But this year, you have a lot of new performers, which is a good thing. After all, we have to look to posterity. But of course, that also has its challenges because period performance has a lot of practices that are foreign to so much of classical music performance. So what has it been like preparing for this year's concert in that sense, preparing greenhorns, as it were, for the IBOF? It's quite a challenge to actually bring them back again to the because not only as music, but the way it should be sounded. When I was conducting them, the first thing that I noticed is that the voices are very mature and very serious. I would say quite serious in the way that, boy, this is a kind of group that can probably sing a wonderful classical music as in the Vienna classical music. But I have to bring them back. The last rehearsal that I did, I have to tell them, be more casual and be more frontal in the way you, you sing. Yeah? I have to tell people the way Spanish music are sung is almost the same as the maybe Filipino casual singers. Not too formal, very frontal, not too much on the dome, not too big. Consider singing near to speaking. Probably that's one thing that I miss doing to this group because I had to handle them for the past five years. More than five years. The last time I handled them was 2016. I only probably see five of them from the original group and the rest of them are new. The idea about music is, of course, also has become more formal, but see the proximity of singing Villancicos after two years of not doing so. It's, it's quite different now. Yeah? It's quite different. So I have to bring them back to the fun moments <laughs> or to the, the non-formal moments that I have to even demonstrate to them how it should be sounded. The difficult thing is that, of course, you shift from a Villancico to a German Baroque. Hispanized madrigal type of singing to a formal North German Baroque like Bach. That is yeah. quite a shift. But the nice thing about this group is that they're very professional and they can shift immediately. Where are your new members coming from? 
Most of them were former music students, but some of them also come from different choirs. So it's good that we are also expanding our group by inviting other people from outside the four corners of our college. <laughs> Before, it was so easy. I see the student around the college and say, okay, come, let's sing together. But this time, we actually invite people from outside our own college. And I think it will enrich the landscape of the collegium mm. even more.
we heard soprano Pauline Arihola, the Viencico Vocal Ensemble, now known as the Collegium Vocale Manila, under the baton of Dr. Beverly Shangquan Cheng, and Armando Salarza at the organ of the San Beda University Church, performing Charles Hubert Perry's Magnificat in G, Opus 81, from last year's International Bamboo Organ Festival. This year, the Collegium Vocale will be conducted by our guest, Dr. Eudenis Palaruan. The 48th International Bamboo Organ Festival happens from February 23 to March 4 at the St. Joseph Church and San Ezequiel Moreno Oratory in Las Piñas, the San Beda University and St. Scholastica College Churches in Manila, and Betty's Church in Pampanga. Also performing are organist Luc Ponet, piccolo player Rafael Leone, harpsichordist Carolyn Kleina Cheng, and of course, organist Dr. Armando Salarza, the Collegium Vocale, the Las Piñas Boys Choir, and the Manila Baroque Ensemble. This year's centerpiece is Johann Sebastian Bach's St. Matthew Passion, conducted by Dr. Beverly Shangquan Cheng. For more information, visit bamboo-organ.com or facebook.com slash bamboo-organ-festival. That is all for this Maestro Filipino, DZFE's weekly feature for fine music in our locale. Each episode airs Saturday at 12 noon, the following Sunday, 12 midnight, and lastly, the next Thursday at 8 in the evening. Maestro Filipino episodes are uploaded every week on our SoundCloud and Spotify channels. Once more, this is Daniel, and thank you for listening.